welcome to the Let It Matter podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Wolf. Here at Let It Matter, we seek to make space for and honor what matters to us as individuals, as communities, and as beloved children of God. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast our cares on God because God cares for us. That tells me that God cares about what we care about. In their song of the same title, the group Johnny Swim offers this invitation. If it matters, let it matter. So that's what we're going to do. I invite you to join me for the next 30 to 45 minutes as we make space for, honor, celebrate, or lament, and as we name, what matters. Hello, 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 and welcome. Oh gosh, I'm so thankful that you are joining me. I know you are about to be too. Today on the Let It Matter podcast, I am joined by embodiment coach and author of the recently released book, Your Body is a Revolution, Healing Our Relationships with Our Bodies, Each Other, and the Earth, Tara Tang. Tara Tang is an embodiment coach who works in the intersections of spirituality and sexuality. Aside from her one-on-one coaching, Tara hosts women's circles, workshops, online classes, and retreats on the topic of... Uh, embodiment, justice, sexuality, and relationships. She also has spent 10 years working to advance the socioeconomic status of women, diminish sexual violence, and end human trafficking alongside collaborative work with community stakeholders, lawmakers, and some amazing organizations. Beyond her work, Tara is a TEDx speaker, a former Miss Canada, and was named Canada's Woman of the Year in 2011. She is also a recipient of the Queen's Diamond Jubilee Medal in recognition of her vast human rights work. In her personal life, Tara is a mother to three young children, and she lives, works, and plays on the unceded indigenous lands in Canada. Let's get into the show. I just don't even want to hold you guys. Let's just get right into it. Okay, Tara Tang, thank you so much for joining me today on the Let It Matter podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for making this happen for, yeah, just pumped to be here and have this conversation with you now. So you are, um, I love this, you are a somatic practitioner and Mm -hmm. an embodiment coach in addition Mm -hmm. to of course being an author um to start us off i'd love if you could explain what both of those things are the um yeah the somatic practitioner and embodiment coach what that type of work involves not only from your end but also your client's end yeah absolutely so embodiment is simply the practice of living in and in connection to our bodies I know it sounds so silly because it's like we're always in our bodies when are we not in our bodies but actually most of us live up in our heads all day long that's true right Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I help people come back into relationship with their bodies to live in presence in your mm-hmm. body, to notice what your body is speaking to you. And somatics, being a somatic practitioner, somatics is the healing modality that I use to achieve that. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like the car that we're driving to get to the place of embodiment, the existence of embodiment, because it's also not a destination. It really is a practice. Yeah. And so somatic 
somatics, somatic skills, um, it comes from the Greek word soma, which means of the body. So they're body-based skills. Mm-hmm. Of One of the biggest ones, most foundational is, can you notice what's happening in your inner world right now? Like, can you notice mm-hmm. what's happening in your body? Can you recognize the way that your body is trying to communicate to you? And then can we build on those skills to be able to name what's happening in our body, to locate where we're maybe feeling the sensation or this memory popping up? When we're really, really being able to build the somatic skills of awareness, of reflection, and processing and release. So they're beautiful Mm. skills to help us be able to, it's one thing to name that we're having emotion happening in our body, but it's another thing entirely to now know what to do with it. How do I then process the presence of my sadness, my anger, my grief, my joy, my pleasure, my all of these like things that are part of being human that none of us really learned what to do with. I love that. My first exposure to the word somatic, I think, was um, my therapist is she doesn't mm. just do talk therapy. One of her sort of Great. modalities, like you said, is is somatic work. And so it would yes. be things like and we are only on video. I started seeing her during covid. She's yeah. in South Texas, but um, she, she would notice when I was like peeling my nails. Yeah. Or when I would like mm-hmm. sitting with my arms closed mm-hmm. or when I would get bigger, if I was telling a story I was angry about and start to yes. incorporate those, Hey, I'm noticing this. What are you feeling? Yeah. And you know, she would sort of just draw me back to not just the story mm-hmm. or the memory. Uh, and then of course she incorporates, you know, EMDR and things like that as well. That sure. Yeah. Um, but that was my first exposure to that word. And so I love that, that ex- explanation of it. Mm. I want to dive in here. The title of your book, which I've, I've given your bio and sort of at this point in the episode have told what we're going to be talking about. The yeah. title of your book, Your Body is a Revolution. That's a really powerful statement. Mm. And I was wondering if you could unpack it a little bit, what you mean yeah. by it, um, what you sort of explore throughout the book. But what does it mean that our bodies are a revolution, not just revolutionary? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because look, here's the thing that I've learned is when you take back your body, you take back your power. And there's a reason why bodies are so powerful and so profound, right? Mm. Like, let me just back up. Before I came to somatic work, I spent 10 plus years working in the intersections of social justice and politics. So I actually, I'm Canadian. I lived in Ottawa. I worked on Parliament Hill. Mm. I worked on a team that uh, I worked for a fantastic member of parliament and I worked on their team and helped amend the criminal code, establish, um, you know, the national action plan myself and my co-writer. We wrote the municipal action plan. And so I was very, very dedicated both in Canada and internationally to working on human rights uh, injustices that exist. And I started to notice this through line Mm -hmm. um, in the work that I was doing specifically with human trafficking, gender-based violence, things like that. But noticing that, not just that, literally every injustice in the world begins with the body. Mm. Racism, sexism, homophobia, transphobia, ableism, ageism, all of these things oh. are rooted in the body. And the more that I dove deeper in that, because I am such a nerd, I love to research, I love to mm-hmm. learn things. Same. And so the more, <laughs> right, the more that I was diving deep into how did this happen? I realized the way that we have criminalized the body, 
we have used the body, we have segregated the body, we have used the body as um, different categories that we have placed people in who has power and who doesn't have power based mm. on their bodies, yeah. right? And so, no wonder, no wonder that one of the truest things I know is that as a human, we all have a complicated relationship with our bodies. Yeah. Every single one of us. It does yeah. not matter who it is. And people will ask me this. They'll say, Tara, you're talking about embodiment and coming back into your body and healing your relationship with your body. But like, you were Miss Canada at one point. Like, how do you not have I'm a great really relationship with your body? I'm really you brought that up. I, I didn't know if I could ask it, but there's a little mm. bit of that question. Yeah. Sure. Yes. Look, every single person has yeah. a complicated relationship with our bodies. And it's because the systems of the world that we live in, the ideologies that we have absorbed, the messages mm -hmm. we've all absorbed about our body, doesn't matter who you are. Yeah. We, it is just, it is disembodying and it is traumatic to simply exist in a body in the state of the world that we live in right now and have historically. That's right. So, so it is revolutionary to reclaim these things. Mm. And you are a revolution in and of itself. It is a revolution for you to peel back all of the layers of mm. everything that you thought that you had to be in your body to be loved, to be in relationship with other people. Most mm -hmm. of us, the trauma that we hold in our bodies comes from the fact that at some point in our lives, we didn't want to disconnect from a relationship that we had, maybe a parent, a caregiver, a, a partner, mm -hmm. a friend, a community. We didn't want to lose that connection to them. So we separated that connection to a piece of ourself that we felt like was not enough or too much or something about us. And often our bodies was wrong. So we yeah. separate from that. We disembody ourselves. We disconnect from ourselves. Yeah. And our bodies remember those relationships that are broken. Mm -hmm. So That's it is so, a revolution to come back. It really is. I'm so taken by the language of revolution right now. I recently watched the, it was like a, five or six part um, docu-series on Hulu that they just did about mm. Tupac and Afeni Shakur um, mm. called Dear Mama. And she was a Black Panther. And there's so much mm. in that series about um, mm. the language of revolution from the Black Panthers and from X and how they would always say, you can kill the revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. No, um, you can't. And so when I saw the title of your book, I was so taken by like, not just that we are revolutionary, um, mm. in it, but there is a whole revolution happening just Within inside us. us and then in, inside yes. of our collective you you talk about in the yes. subtitle about the earth um even yes. about um our connection yes. to the earth and so i really appreciate you you unpacking that and and it's oh it's so good i have chills literally and I'm, by the way mm. when you see me looking down it's because i'm taking notes on what you're saying <laughs> i'm not just texting in the middle of this conversation i'm just taking notes because whatever you this um when you take back your body, you take back your power. I just about fell over. Okay. Um, yeah. That's so powerful. It is. I mean, there is a reason why, like, look, I grew up in the church. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, Same. I'm the da daughter of a Southern Baptist pastor. If you've been in the church, you know what that means. Yes. I was raised in a small conservative town. Mm -hmm. I was homeschooled. I was part of the homeschool movement. Mm -hmm. Right. And I came of age in like the 90s, 2000s, which is like the height of the purity, purity culture movement. Yep. Right. And so these things, the, the messages that I was taught about the body now peel back and looking at it from a perspective of like what is happening politically on the scene at the time socio-economically mm -hmm. culturally all of these things right realizing that like for example purity culture was never about morality it was about control oh 
A hundred percent. Right. And so it's because there is power in our bodies. And the same thing, when we look at it, even like civil rights, right? You talk about the Black Panther movement, Mm -hmm. you talk about Tupac, you talk about all of these things like, look, I'm also a biracial woman. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like you look at these things and... And the messages that we have about the body, like there has been so much fear, like white supremacy mm. is instilled yeah. on fear, power and control. So, of course, right, yeah. of course, we have to be intersectional in our healing. We have to look at at all of these things, like what is collective trauma from like a racialized perspective? Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter. Like I am both a white woman and an Asian woman. Right. Right. And so what is that? What does that look like to, to be on both sides? sides of the experience mm-hmm. right that sort of and intersectionality the between mm. the marginalized identities and yes. the more dominant identities um and how you can yes. kind of exist in a body with both of those being true at the same time at the same time i want to talk for a second because in order to know where we're going i want to talk for some of us where we are right now um which is yeah. the disembodiment or disintegrated mm-hmm piece Mm -hmm. um can you give a sort of high level overview of how things like religion or theology and then what i love rachel held evans called the unholy trinity of white supremacy Mm. colonization and patriarchy which you also address in your book yes um, how those things can all lead us over time to becoming disembodied and then what that presents like in people maybe that show up as your clients or that you just sort of have seen in research how does it feel in our bodies how does it present Mm -hmm. in our behavior years and um and things like that mm-hmm. yeah i mean that is that is such a through line in my book the the mm-hmm. patriarchy colonization and white supremacy because they are built on hierarchies hierarchies of power who has power who's at the top who does not right and and we believe this lie all of us have we're integrated into this lie so we're socializing conditioned into this lie at such a young age mm-hmm. that that we are ranked, right? I start to see it on the playground when my kids go to school and I go to a very inclusive, very progressive school. My kids Mm -hmm. go to a very inclusive, very progressive school. But still, we have, you see the way that the kids are taking in messages from the world around them and saying, oh, these are the popular kids and this is this and this is this. And we create this ranking system when Mm -hmm. in reality, that ranking system comes from things like patriarchy, colonization, and white supremacy, where we put certain people at the top. They are the ones with the power or the social currency and everybody else falls in line and shuffles themselves down below, right? Where in reality, there is connection, but it's not because we're ranked. Mm-hmm. It's because we're linked. It's because we're interconnected. So moving out so of this good. pyramid, right? Moving out of this pyramid, this hierarchy, and into this more circular way of being that when we go back far enough, pre-colonization, pre-patriarchy, pre-white supremacy, pre-like church supremacy, yeah. right? These circles are so egalitarian. They tend to be a little bit more matriarchal, which is inherently egalitarian. It's not just patriarchy flipped where right. women are at the right. top. It yes. is a redistribution of wealth and resources mm-hmm. and power. And the circle, and this is why when I host events, it's always in a circle because there's no one person at the top. Mm. Even if you look at the way that our churches are set up or our schools are set up, there's yeah. one person in the front and everybody's facing them. And yeah. in a circle, we're all looking at each other in the eye. Mm-hmm. Everybody is the teacher and everybody is the student. I and that is that. such a different way of looking and living and being. And it moves us from this hierarchy where we 
have severed parts of ourselves, disembodied, mm-hmm. disconnected parts of ourselves with these broken relationships. Yeah. And it brings back these pieces of us that didn't get to exist in that kind of structure and framework that patriarchy, colonization, white supremacy, Christian supremacy is the dominant way of being, the dominant power. Yeah. We now go from power over to power with. And we get to bring back these pieces of ourself that we have lost along the way. Yeah. And so, so when someone shows up in your office and they're, or, or Mm -hmm. on a call with you and they're looking Mm -hmm. for embodiment coaching and maybe they say to you, I recognize this as an area of weakness. And so what does disembodiment look like in them? Like in terms of their relationships or their habits or their, their self narrative, you know what I mean? Internal monologues and things like that. I mean, there's a million different things that it can show up as, right? We can peel back all these layers. And this is something I do with my clients is we, yeah. we get curious. So we come back to the body with curiosity, okay. right? Hmm, what's happening there? Hmm, what's happening the same way that your client, your, your, your therapist is like, mm-hmm. hey, what's happening with your body when you're fidgeting with your hands? Yeah. Right? Like, what is your body communicating to you here? And so yeah. we peel back this layer and we peel back there. And what is the thing that is right on the bottom? Right? The thing under the thing. That's how I always say it. The thing under the thing. Right? That core thing. Mm -hmm. And and so we look at all of this. And sometimes that may manifest as like, I'm really stressed out and I feel really overwhelmed because like, let's put it in practical practical language that most of us can relate to like i have to to show up in my in my career i have to show up with my family i have to show up in my relationships i gotta show up in my family in my friendships uh my house is a mask i have a a mile long to-do list and Mm -hmm. i am stressed out burnt out overwhelmed i'm spinning out my wheels trying to meet everybody else's expectations yeah Yeah. right i feel guilty when i try to rest Oh my god. I can't gosh. shut off social media. I take I take in criticism from uh-huh. social media or number of likes yep. or amount of performance on like or I take in cri- criticism from other people like my mom anybody. is always yes. saying this about my life. My friend is mm-hmm. always saying this. My sister makes these comments about my yeah. body, right? Like all of these things, right? And it's yeah. because we are spinning our wheels out trying to please everybody else, trying to fulfill everybody else's expectations of us. And hey, look, I understand understand that why are we doing that we're doing that to regain some sense of safety Mm -hmm. in our bodies Mm. as humans we have to strip all of this back and remember that like even now in 2023 even with all of the advancements of like amazing ai and technology and all the things that we've got going on these days we're sending billionaires up into space right down into the depths (laughs) and down into the depths Mm. but ultimately we are still ancient ancestral primal animals Mm, yeah right and our nervous system in our primal body is still hardwired for connection because Mm -hmm. connection as herd animals we know that isolation means death that's why we fear rejection that's why i am spinning my wheels out trying to please everybody else because i don't want them to leave me i don't want them to think that i'm not good enough i don't want them to be disappointed in me Mm -hmm. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I am spinning my wheels out and stressing out and killing my mental health, killing my physical health, killing my libido because I have to show up for everybody else. But I'm not showing up for myself. And hey, guess what? Look, that is a trauma response. Yeah, that is the fawning response. That is a perfect sign of complex PTSD. Mm hmm. 
Because one you of haven't the, felt safe enough to show up as yourself. That's so true. And one of the places I realized this, it was like a, this is just a, a good example, I think, for the topic of, you know, this whole, this podcast as a whole is yeah. um, when I was in, I didn't grow up SBC, but I spent from 24 to 30 one or two um, in mm. an SBC mega church with celebrity okay. pastor. And yeah. uh, you know, I was all in all the things and all the things. Yeah. Um, and it was, he was um, he, the way he, his preaching style is, is he raises mm. his voice a lot and yells. Yes. Not like in anger, but just projecting yeah. and, and in passion and stuff like that. Yeah. Gesticulating and all that. And it's like a 50 minute sermon. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and the room, there's 2000 people in the room. Mm. at all the services you could go to. There was 2,000 people in the room. And I didn't realize until I left that environment that I had been triggered for eight years. Yeah. First of all, mm. I don't like crowds that size. I just don't mm. do big mm. crowded rooms like that. I don't, and then I don't, there's nobody in my life that speaks to me with a raised voice anymore. I don't allow it. Yes. Yeah. Because of yeah. what, how I've been, you know, what things that have gone on in my past. And and because it wasn't in anger, I didn't connect the mm. two. Mm-hmm. Um. And I, and, but I did realize that my body felt there was, I felt amped up and anxious and antsy. All and the time. I thought, this is yeah. how you do church. You're just always yeah. going to be up mm-hmm. and, and, you know, with frenetic energy. And when I got to the church environment I'm in now, there's a woman pastor. It's a 15 mm. minute homily. She's calm, but she's mm. an excellent preacher. It's table centric, not sermon centric. Yeah. There's 80 people in the room. I realized, mm. oh my goodness, <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is my body has been, I have been disembodied in, yes. in I've had to silo off big pieces of myself at the door totally. when I walked mm-hmm. into church. Um, and I think there's, we can do that in relationships, right? We can silo yes, off we when can. we see red flags and we go, but I'm single and I'm 35. And so mm. this red flag would matter to me and I would enforce it if I was 23, but I don't sure. know if this guy's going to, yeah. if something like this is going to come around again and I want marriage mm. so bad. So I'm going to shut off this red flag or just, dis, just, sure. dis, you know, um, disregard it there. What are some other, like, just like that sort of practical ways that we just shut down our yeah. the cues our, oh, bodies our bodies are, our bodies are always trying to communicate with us, mm-hmm. always trying to communicate with us. For me, when I was deep in the church and I, I same as you, like I was mm-hmm. in all the way, like I was yeah. so earnest in my faith. I believed it so deeply. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, and here's how my body was speaking to me. It didn't really start to show up until I hit puberty. And this Mm -hmm. is where, of course, purity culture started to like come down real hard. Right. Right. Like it wasn't, I didn't start to notice a lot of these um, hypocrisies, discrepancies, power, power dynamics until I was coming of age, started Mm -hmm. maybe around 11, carried throughout my whole teens and early adulthood. And what also carried throughout, throughout the whole time is that I had eczema. I had eczema all on mm. my skin. My hands would would itch and crack mm. and bleed and the inside of my arms. And this was a symptom of the chronic stress that my body was under. Mm. Because I was spinning my own wheels out, trying to yeah. be everybody else's expectation of who I ought to be as a good Christian woman. I wanted and I was real good at becoming the good girl that they wanted. I had somebody even tell me once that I was like the poster child for like the evangelical, like, like loved social justice. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I was the one like leading the things and planning Mm -hmm. the things. And then 
especially after I won Miss Canada, was yeah. doing the speaker circuit everywhere because Miss Canada was a Christian. And so I was speaking at all the Christian Ugh, conferences and going to do all, speaking at all the things and coming in and being the guest preacher for the retreats. And, and, I, and I did all of that. And there was so much expectation to be a certain way. I'm not saying that it was fake. Like I earnestly believed it. But the sure. higher I got into these these rooms of power, right? Mm -hmm. Like we say that we're all the same in these churches, but there is definitely a hierarchy in 100%. the churches. Yes. And the more that I got in with that group, with those circles and was invited to those tables, I started to see the power dynamics more. I started to see, well, we don't really, it's not really everybody welcome because like we're not really welcoming queer folks. And I didn't even know I was queer at the time. Right. Right. And so it's not really like I would look and be like, why am I the only like person of color? And again, biracial, but still a person of color. Like, why am mm -hmm. I the only person of color that's ever on the speaking rosters? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I know I'm only there because I was Miss Canada, right? Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. seeing all of these things and realizing these discrepancies, realizing the way that my body knew far longer than my yeah. mind could figure it out. Yeah. Right? Far yes. longer. And then one day realize, it, I tell this story in my book and my child came to me. We were sitting on the couch. We were reading this book together. It was a science book. And I was like, we're looking at like the DNA strands. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is so cool. This is in your body. And it makes up who you are. And it's unique only to you. And where I'm like nerding out again. Yeah. And, and he looks up at me and he's like, but my DNA is bad, mama. Because a teacher at church, a Sunday school teacher had taught him that down to his very core, in his very DNA, he was inherently wicked and sinful, in need of a savior, that there was nothing that he could do to be good on his own. And I could not allow that again. Ugh. I did not want his body to endure the theology, the painful, traumatic theology that had been so harmful to me, that had been screaming to me this whole time, that I didn't know how to listen. I didn't have language to as a child, but as an adult, I could protect my kids from that. And I yes. could break that cycle for them. That was the turning point where we were like, that's it. I'm not taking my kids back to church anymore. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Oh, man. You, I, I want to... Um, you say in the, I think in one of the first few chapters, you quote, somebody had said this to you, um, mm. but you quoted in the book, truth feels like something in the body. Yes. Yeah. Coach Yama of Confidently Queer. Yes. We were in a clubhouse room together. She said mm -hmm. that and instantly mm -hmm. my whole body, just like even you've had this experience while we've been here, it just goes, whoa, yeah. that is, yeah. that is it. That is the thing. Yes. So given what we just discussed about sort of being disembodied and disintegrated, what yeah. are some ways we can begin the process of yeah. reintegrating, being remembered, realizing mm. what truth feels like in our body? Mm -hmm. How will we know it's happening? Yeah. So it starts with relationship. Mm. Right. This is why the subtitle of the book is healing our relationships with our body, each yeah. other and the earth, because these yeah. things are interconnected. But these things are are through the common lens of relationship. I have a relationship with everything. I have a relationship with social media. I have a relationship with with um, 
my family, with my friends. I have a relationship with my garden and the mm-hmm. plants that I have in my home. Mm-hmm. I have my re- a relationship with food. I have a relationship that's different with with ancestral food. When I'm like, oh, I'm having Singaporean mm-hmm. food. Like it's different yeah. than like when I go to like the Olive Garden and like that's delicious and has I have a relationship with the memories that I hold there. But like we have relationships with everything. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as we start to get curious of what those relationships actually contain, it gives us so much information with what is actually going on mm. in our life, in our bodies, in our yeah. world. And so for me coming back to my body and noticing where I'm disconnected, disembodied, dysregulated mm-hmm. has started with what is my relationship with my body actually like? When was the last time I actually listened to my body? Or am I always talking shit to my body? Am I bullying my body all the time? Am Mm -hmm. I listening to my body? What does that look like? Right? And so as soon as I come to my relationship with my body and I start to get curious of what's there, Mm -hmm. in the same way that this curiosity is so key, because like if I'm meeting with somebody, somebody new or somebody in my family or, or my partner or whatever, and I get this hint of judgment in their tone, mm-hmm. Or that they're going to dismiss me. Well, then that shuts down the whole conversation. I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, I don't want to talk to you anymore because like you're just judging me. Right. But if they come to me, I'm like, hey, why did you do this? Like, I'm like genuinely curious. I'm like, what's going like, are you okay? Do you need support? Like, you know, and I have we have that approach. It changes everything in the relationship. And it's the Mm -hmm. same thing with my body. If I come to my body and I'm like, why the fuck did you do this again? Mm -hmm. This pattern that we keep spinning our wheels out. We're trying to do this thing. We're trying to do this thing. And we're learning the same damn lesson again and again and again. And I'm just choosing poorly every single time. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Versus like, hey, what's going on Mm -hmm. here right now? Right now, mm-hmm. my body is able to speak and say all the things that it's been trying to get my attention. I mean, like, well, actually, I feel this way. Well, actually, I don't feel safe with this person. I'm trying to tell you that there's some red flags here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like my nervous system, even biologically, is wired to scan each room, each environment that I am yeah. in and let me know if there is a threat of danger or not. Mm-hmm. But we override that because our intellect has been trained to be more powerful right Right. we are just like oh i know mind over matter like we literally have these phrases in our world mind over matter keep calm and carry on like maybe there's something here that we should not be calm about well and not to mention the religious tones of the flesh being bad the flesh being you know i beat my flesh Mm -hmm. and yes um and to give it to jesus uh, yeah, or the, the spirit, anything, things of the spirit and the mind being yes. more valuable, which, by the way, is, folks, is Gnosticism and a heresy yeah. and was ruled yeah. a heresy in like the first century. Um, but that idea that our bodies are pretty much just the thing that carries our brains and spirits around. Yes. Um, yeah. And therefore, our bodies are what cause us to sin. Our bodies are what cause other people to sin. Our bodies are what mm-hmm. um, it's all going to quote, it's all going to burn anyway, which is terrible yeah. theology of the eschaton. Terrible. All of these things yeah. Um, yeah. that in addition to the messaging we receive on social media, from mm-hmm. advertising, on TV mm-hmm. and, you know, on entertainment, in books, mm-hmm. in uh, school, you know, whatever. In addition to all of that, the religious messaging of what the, mm-hmm. of quote, the flesh and the misunderstanding of what that usage is in the New Testament. Yeah. If Jesus came as a body and a human Oh my gosh. That yeah. says all we need to know about how God feels about our bodies. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 
Jesus is the incarnation. walked in an earth body. Yeah. Jesus lived in a womb. Jesus was born, yes. he entered the world through a vulva. He was nursed. nourished by a breast. Yes. yes. Right? Like, how are these things so depraved if there is such goodness in it? Your body is good and holy, and there yeah. is a a revolution right in mm -hmm. that in and of yeah. itself. That's right. And, and I think like in terms of uh, just like, you, I love what you said about getting curious about the messaging. One of the people that has been a really great teacher to me in this area mm. has been Dr. Hillary McBride. Mm -hmm. um, Good friend when, of mine. She's so Yeah. Great. When I read her book, mothers, daughters and body image. Mm -hmm. um, and there's this like scientific phenomenon mm -hmm. that it, it, that, um, women bond over the hatred of their bodies and there yes. was no safe space for a woman to say, I actually like, I love my body or I actually don't yeah. have these feelings that, that yeah. belonging, the currency of belonging with, with women in, yeah. at least at the time she wrote the book and in large, uh, overwhelming numbers was body hatred. Yeah. Um, when I read that and then I I read her talking about how not just patriarchy, but the beauty industry particularly mm -hmm. is a billion dollar industry mm -hmm. that it makes its money off telling me that I should hate my body, yes. that I should hate what I look like and that they have what it, it takes to fix it. When I heard that, mm -hmm. so not, this isn't just like, um, connection from within, this is external yeah. messaging now that's corrective, to, yes. to the messaging I've heard my whole life. Yes. Um, but as soon as I heard that, that rebellious streak in me went, mm -hmm. never again, you fuckers. Yeah. Never yeah. again are you going yeah. to make me hate my body and think what yeah. you have to sell me yeah. is what's going to fix it. Never yes. again are you going to tell me that being small is what's... Yes. Is uh, is what's the most valuable? Whether it's in my personality, my voice, yeah. the size of my body, the space I take 100%. up. Hundred percent. Never again. Yeah. What are some other places that like where we can find corrective? Uh, near like maybe it's social media accounts or other uh, you know book books and authors and thinkers. Oh my gosh. Or maybe it's there's so many resources I can give you, but the number one resource that everybody has already access to mm -hmm. is your body. Mm. And here's the thing, and this is why this is so important to say first and foremost, I will give you all the resources I believe in yeah. not gatekeeping these things, but your body is your teacher. Mm. Yeah, your body is good. the one that you need to turn back to. It has all the answers already. And I tell every single person that that I end up working with every client in our first initial call, I say, Hey, look, your body is your teacher. I am not your teacher. If you are coming mm -hmm. here, thinking that like, I am going to be working with Tara, and they are the expert, and she's going to give me all of the things and, and give me all the tools and all the reasons mm -hmm. like you're no, you are mistaken. Please take me off the pedestal. I am not the guru. I am not the expert. I am not your teacher. Your body is your teacher. And mm -hmm. my job is to lead you back to your body because your body has the answers for you because you are the expert in your body because mm. you are the only one who knows what it feels like to yeah. live in your body you are the yeah. only one and we we have the structure of the world and even this question is mm -hmm. that we need to look to external sources to give us yeah. The insights, right? We do this in, in literally every every aspect It's we, we're conditioned this way from in like infancy essentially from childhood mm -hmm. from our preschool toddler years where the first time we have a teacher 
and most of our parents have had this parenting style style where you are an empty vessel and I'm going to give you all of the answers and I'm going to mm-hmm. train you up in the way that you want to go. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we continue that along because that's what is most efficient in the way that we have structured our world, our education yeah. system, our medical system. We walk into a clinic and the doctor gives us all the answers because the doctor is the expert on our bodies. We are not the expert on our mm-hmm. bodies. We mm-hmm. walk into a classroom and the teacher gives us all of the answers. There's no way that we could question or possibly come up with the critical thinking skills to have the answers ourselves. No, this is not actually the, this is not the way. Mm-hmm. The way is coming back to your body. Your body has all of the answers. If you just learn the somatic skills of how to listen, you will find the answer that is right for you. I promise you. I am so certain of it. Yeah. But we spend all of our time trying to find the right book, the right podcast, the right <laughs> coach, the yeah. right teacher. Hey, look, there are great resources out there. Obviously, I have a book that I hope that will be helpful for you and be full of those yeah. resources. Yeah. But ultimately, the goal of my book is to lead you back to your body. That's right. Yeah. The goal of the book isn't to lead you to me or anybody else. So in that vein, then, could you, do you have one or two maybe practical sort of embodiment practices? Mm -hmm. You could, you could guide us through or give us some sort of step by steps when we're, when we want to turn and listen to our bodies. Mm -hmm. What are some, some just short, maybe I'm thinking one or two exercises that you maybe lead a client through or that you recommend Mm -hmm. um, to reconnect and begin to listen to the messages our bodies are sending us. Do you want to do one together right now? Please. Yes. Okay, so let's take a moment. If anybody is listening to this later on, if you want to follow along as well, too, please participate as much or as little as feels safe enough and comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. Right? We only go where the body gives full consent. And this is Mm -hmm. really important, especially when we're in our healing journey is, is we all want to get there. We all want to arrive. And so, so often we will push past when our body gives us that communication of like, actually, I'm not ready to look at this thing yet. And we Mm. tend to re-traumatize ourselves because we go too fast or too much or too soon. So as even in this moment, as we do this together and we ground ourselves and reconnect back to our bodies, go where your body gives full consent. Okay. One second. I'm just taking a note about what you just said there. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. All right. So. So scan your room. This is really important before we ever go internally into the body. Scan your room. This helps you reground yourself in space and time in place. Okay. Also a really helpful trick when you do feel overwhelmed or if we go back to our bodies because like, hey, look, here's the reality. So many of us have disconnected for very legitimate reasons. Mm -hmm. right our body has been a hard place for us to live it's been maybe a traumatic or painful place to live and so we leave our bodies in order to not feel the depth of the pain that exists there yeah right the problem is that while that is really helpful and life-saving in the moment we don't want to stay disconnected we want to be able to come back home right Mm -hmm. and so if at any point you're doing body-based work and it feels too overwhelming and it feels like it's going to put you into that panic or fight flight fear fawn look behind each shoulder Mm -hmm. look over your left shoulder at the far back left corner of your room look over your right shoulder at your far back corner of your right room This is a very simple, very, again, primal practice that if we are running and we have a threat of danger behind us, we're looking over our shoulder to see where the Mm -hmm. danger is. 
Yeah. So when you do this in the safety of your room, your office, your car, wherever you're listening to this from, or wherever you feel like you're in a panic, simply mm-hmm. do that. It signals safety to your nervous system. When you look back and you're like, oh, I'm just no in my danger. office cubicle at work. I'm in no danger. Mm-hmm. I know my body is going into fight or flight and I feel worried because my coworker is going to come and pick a fight or my partner mm-hmm. or my friend or somebody at the grocery store. And I actually look around and I go, no, I can ground myself in place and time and I'm okay. Okay. That's great. Okay. So there's a really practical somatic skill for you to yeah. use. A lot of these yeah. things are actually not super complicated, but we just never learned them. Right. Right. That's great. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if that feels good, let's now take a minute. Let's go into your body and let's actually practice. Let me show you what it looks like to begin to listen. Okay. Okay. So now that we're grounded in, in our space, in our room, you can go internally into your body, drop out of your head and into your body, whatever feels good and safe enough for you. If it feels good to close your eyes, go ahead and do that. If it feels good to softly, gently rest your gaze somewhere in front of you, then please do that. Notice your breathing. If it feels good, notice your breathing, if that feels safe enough. As you breathe, are you noticing short, shallow breaths that exist up in your chest? Are you able to deepen each breath? Drop lower. Drop from your chest to your rib cage. (sighs) Can you drop lower into your belly? Deep breath in. Release. So many of us feel so disconnected even from our bellies. We've had so many messages from our bellies. We feel like we have to suck in, shrink in, make ourselves smaller. And that has detrimental health effects as well, too. But what is it telling us, Mm -hmm. even on an emotional level, Mm -hmm. on a physical safety level? So allow that to release. Releasing your belly signals safety to your nervous system. Mm. What does that feel like? As you go through this process, notice anywhere that you're finding an emotion come to the surface, sensation come to the surface. Maybe you're sensing or feeling or seeing colors. Maybe you're sensing cold, hot, prickly, buzzy, warm, soothing. It could be any of these sensations. See if you can notice. And also remember that numbness is a sensation too. Hmm. Lack of sensation is also sensation. And if we've been disconnected for a long time, that lack of sensation might be our baseline at the moment. But Hmm. the more that we practice coming back, the more that our body will feel safe enough to start to speak. Look at whatever your body is giving you just with neutral curiosity. Can I share in the moment? Yeah. That was sort of coming yeah, up. What, okay. Was something um, coming up for you? When I was able to sort of deepen my breath into my belly and sort of start yeah. to breathe lower, um, my sh- sort of shoulders relaxed and I felt 
uh, relief isn't really the right word, but anytime I'm doing an interview with someone I haven't mm. talked to before, I just mm. have this sort of like, I want to make a good impression. I want this episode to yeah, be useful for listeners. Um, and I want, I want you to have, you know, a good experience. And so just dropping back into my body and out of my nervous energy mm-hmm. from or my head um, made my body go like, Oh yeah, we'll come back to this. Like even yeah. if mm-hmm. even if I come back up higher on the scale until we finish this call or something. Oh yeah, I can drop back down into this at any yeah. time. I can come yeah. back and 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 it tells you so much. So what does mm-hmm. that information mm-hmm. tell you about what's happening in you in your world? Well, I think it says something about like the, the part about wanting to make a good impression and wanting to serve and wanting to um, yeah. host and be hospitable for listeners and all that. Yes. I think is telling me something about what the messages I've received about how to do that, what that looks like. Sure. Uh, that there's one way, those sorts of yeah. things. Yeah, um, absolutely. And it makes me also wonder about like engaging this practice before interviews Mm-hmm. Um, to to ground myself and to start from this place kind of going yeah. forward. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. It also tells you about your values, right? Mm-hmm. You value, you want to help people. You want to put mm-hmm. resources in people's hands, right? Mm-hmm. You value these things. And so that's yeah. why you're putting so much um, like high stakes on mm-hmm. I have to show up then a certain way, right? I have to perform. Maybe maybe that's not the right word. You, you use the words that feel most resonant yeah. to you, but mm-hmm. like you want to do it well, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. There, there's a, a striving for excellence that's to there. Be and that's not a bad and thing. And for this to yeah. be something people think of when they need Oh, oh yeah, there was this podcast for people. Mm, yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. all these are all good things, right? And so taking this in just as yeah. information, this is what's I think actually happening. There's a bit of it that like as a woman, I've always felt like I had to fight for that place at the sure. at, at a conversation table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that little bit of frenetic energy of like proving myself that I belong at this table, I can, t- yeah, I can yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bring invaluable information yeah. to this episode, you know, those sorts of things. Man, that's so, so interesting what you said about the values too, because resourcing people is one of my favorite things to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you who my teachers have been. I want to tell you some of the questions I asked, not even interested really in answers. Um, And then I want to say like, God bless you on your journey. You know what I mean? And and share with me what your journey is. But, um, but that is such a value. That's interesting that, that, Mm. that the information my body told me aligns with Mm -hmm what I already know in my head is a value of mine. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So you can see how this practice gives us so much information Mm -hmm. to then, as I said, like make the next right step for ourselves, the next best step with the information we have at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So many of us aren't taking the time to check in with our bodies of like, "Hmm, what's actually going on within me right Mm -hmm. now? And that can be the first step, the starting point that's going to carry us to the next right thing. Oh, that's good. That's really good. Um, I want, we have time for just a couple more questions and I want to ask you, um, what, 
Uh, In the introduction, you wrote, while I no longer identify as a Christian, I've found Mm -hmm. Jesus in a new, fresh way, apart from Mm -hmm. capitalism, patriarchy, colonization, and white supremacy. And I just wondered if you could say a little bit more about that, about um, how you um, came to either not identify as a Christian. I'm not as worried about that, but just what it is Mm -hmm. about Jesus that you do see in a fresh way from this um, perspective. Yeah, I mean, such a valid question. I think a lot of people probably have that question, especially if you've known me for a Uh, while. Yeah, and I want to say it like this isn't pearl clutching about like, oh, I'm worried about how you identify. This isn't that. I don't feel that at all. I'm just curious. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Especially for those who are in that process right now. Mm -hmm. Right? Like it can feel so like disorientating of like up is down now and mm-hmm. and like we have been taught like especially those of us who are raising it but even those who who you know say yes at later parts in our journey like when you are in evangelicalism in christendom you are told that you have the answers and all of yeah. a sudden you start pulling the threads and wondering what actually is true right mm-hmm. and deconstruction really is the process of taking apart all the pieces of the lego castle that you built yeah. and looking at what belongs there and what doesn't and and so that journey can feel so incredibly isolating scary disorientating alone i have all the empathy solidarity mm-hmm. in the world for people who are currently there and so for me that looks like asking a lot of questions that looks like a lot of research and i i really do believe that i have stayed true to the things that i believed as a child you know mm-hmm. my mom would always tell me as a kid like tara like you find the person who is like kind of on the outside and you include them you make them Mm. like feel like they belong that that was something that i was doing at a young age it's literally the reason why my name um i have a cantonese name Mm. Uh, my chinese name is oikwan which means loves groups of people or loves people Mm. groups loves community depending on how you translate it um but it was because as a child in my very like early like under five years old this is what Mm -hmm. i was doing i i noticed that and so when i was taught that jesus loves everybody that jesus cares deeply about justice like i deconstructed for the first time when i was in when i was in my teenage years i was 16 Mm -hmm. i left the church for a number of years i came back um and the thing that brought me back to my faith and made me so passionate about social justice Mm -hmm. was because i saw the way that jesus stood up for people in the margins Yes. Right? Yes. And then when I left the church eventually, it was, you know what, you guys, like, we're, we're homophobic, we're transphobic, we're not letting women preach, we're doing all of these things that are actually not even biblical. They're not right. seen in the person of Jesus Christ. It's, right. it's this whole, like, power-hungry political thing that we're doing here. Yeah. And yeah. so, and I saw the way that it impacted our bodies, like I said, and I left. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like I have been consistent to the, the values that were instilled in me in my childhood mm. where everybody belonged. Mm -hmm. where we were generous with what we had we didn't Mm -hmm. hoard our wealth like it like these were the things that i was raised in that i feel like are consistent and so i still love the person of jesus christ for the revolutionary man that he is for the inclusive man that he is for the teachings that he had on nonviolence, on inclusivity on wealth redistribution the fact Mm -hmm. that he was a 
an indigenous man who lived in an oppressive colonized regime who was yeah. ultimately killed by police forces of the state. Like yeah. if that is not relevant to what is going on today, like I really mm-hmm. don't know what is. And even right. the fact that there's so much like transphobia that exists in the world. And we're seeing that yeah. like very, very much so culturally in Canada, but like, looking at the legislation in the states all of these anti-trans bills Ugh. that are existing like yes if if jesus is is like god with skin on who could like transform from one thing and cross over and become mm-hmm. another thing like mm-hmm. what more trans could you possibly get yeah you know yeah. like and so for one me, of the things i like, have i'm so sorry to interrupt yeah you. no go I please loved to think about for a while i was asking god why did you make Jesus a, a boy like why did you make him mm, a man mm, mm, and mm. this sort of download of information this quote or something came to mind that was like right but it was Mary and not a man it was Mary and God and yeah and then lately that that made him and so there wasn't a, like a male heavy mm. on the in the equation and yeah. then recently I've been thinking we always refer to or at least in my circles currently we refer to the Holy Spirit as she Yes, yes. And Mary was overshadowed, meaning like overcome mm-hmm. by the Holy Spirit to conceive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if so that's not even, clear, I don't know what is. I mean, even that idea of like, I'm not, you know, that there was no man involved in the conception yeah. of Jesus, regardless yes. of what his gender is. Yes. The way that, that Jesus was conceived and the, the feminine language used for the Holy Spirit in addition to Mary being yes it's just interesting to think about I'm not ready to like write a theological paper on it but it's interesting to think through yes Um, I agree and you're exactly right when you can get curious about those things Mm. um, it makes it clear that some of the like more obvious political tactics and power tactics of the homophobic and the transphobic and the misogynistic and the white supremacist aspects of the church yes are the most unserious, uncurious, um, frankly, unreliable and trustworthy and ungodly yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. things we've, uh, we've that we could be listening the plot. to. We've, we've missed, missed the plot. The we've That's lost right. our way, you know, and I feel like this isn't the first and certainly won't be the last time that the church will go through its um, sure. reformations, its revivals, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and I think that that's what we're in the midst of right now as we're in this mm-hmm. huge cultural phenomenon of so many people leaving the church and asking really important, great questions. Yeah. And also, I think the, the noticing, again, this is why coming back to the body is so important, mm-hmm. noticing what is happening within us. Oh, we're so resistant mm-hmm. to these questions that are being asked. Mm-hmm. Why? Where is yeah, that coming why? from? Is it coming from a place of fear or we're fearful that like, like, cause I mm-hmm. heard this when I was asking these questions about women preaching and like, mm-hmm. you can do a deep dive into the internet. Like I literally have a Ted talk that says, Jesus yeah. made me as a feminist. Jesus made me a feminist. I yes, did that I watched it. 2016. <laughs> yes. It was, it was, oh my gosh, it was the week before the U.S. election of Trump versus Clinton. <sighs> Right? And so that's what was happening on the stage when I did that TED talk. Yeah, wow. (laughs) In some ways. I mean, at least we hadn't been through it yet. (laughs) We hadn't been Um, through it. We were about to buckle up for the ride of our lives, right? But like, what's happening when we're so resistant to these things? What's happening in our bodies, right? What's being threatened? Yes. The fact that we had Trump right after 
y'all mm-hmm. had Obama is just yeah. so telling for me. Yes, yes. It's so telling. And whatever you guys do in the States is going to just be imported up here to Canada. So, like, please mm-hmm. make good decisions because it impacts us up here, too. <laughs> We're trying. I'm said from a as a like the single Democrat in a really red state. I'm just we're just trying. We're just trying, right. Some of us. Um, yeah. Really quick as we wrap up, I want to just ask. I'm asking this of all of my guests. You can answer mm. it. Silly, serious, short, long, mm. however you want to. What is mattering most to you right now? Oh, what's mattering most to me right now? Oh, gosh, that's such a good question. I as I'm in this stage of um, promoting the book that just came out. Right. Mm-hmm. Um there's a obviously like we pour is this similar to like you when you come to yeah. one of these podcasts like you pour yeah. so much of yourself into these this work mm-hmm. right you want it to to be the thing that helps people find the keys that unlock these these things for yeah. them you want it to be able to help support someone on their liberation journey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right that is the yeah. only thing i hope for for my book and so of course yeah. then you can so easily get into the looking at the numbers and looking at the rankings and looking at all yeah. the things and and i could spin my tails out trying to mm-hmm. make this book a bestseller and of course i want it to do well but yeah i refuse to burn myself out in the process hmm So I have been doing really practical things to take Mm -hmm. care of myself, to take care of my family in the midst of it. And whether, you know, you're somebody who's listening to this that is putting a book out, wants to put out a book one day, like also do the damn thing and we'll cheer you guys on because like, please, we need more people who are going to follow their heart and not let their head silence the things that that they really dream of doing. We will, we will cheer that on. This is not a one thing or the other. This is a both Mm -hmm. and also a third way that like, Mm -hmm. Don't burn yourself out at it, but tend to your body and stay connected to your body in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that has been so important to me. This is the Mm -hmm. the thing that matters most is not forsaking those practices. It's like where the rubber meets the road. You write a book about these things and you have to then live them. And and even when, you know, you're in promotion mode. I loved Caitlin Curtis has talked a lot about that process since Living Resistance Mm -hmm. came out. I had her on the show as well. And she's talked a lot about like having to intentionally slow down and disconnect and you know be really careful with her routines and her um but yep. b- burnout and things like that because she wants to live the message of her book and i i love that that's what you're uh that, yeah. that's what you're doing too because because the corporate... it makes you a credible teacher <laughs> oh thank you <laughs> but it it you're constantly showing up swimming up current when the systems like we said at the beginning of this podcast the systems and structures of the way that the world is set up is Mm -hmm. not for human flourishing it is for disembodiment it is for production it is for profit it is for gain right and to choose intentionally choose differently Mm -hmm. is a daily practice of coming back into my body noticing what is happening in my inner world just like we did Mm -hmm. like we walked through that in real time today right looking at what is happening listening to my body and as actually saying no i will not i refuse to Mm self-abandon i Mm -hmm. refuse to pour into everyone else's cup but my own i refuse to show up in rooms where my full embodied authentic self is not welcome i'm not doing that anymore i have been that i have given far too much away i'm not doing that shit anymore And so just don't get it twisted. We're not doing that shit anymore. (laughs) Uh, I love her. 
What a rich, deep hour that was to spend in conversation. I hope you feel that same way um, in listening to it. My thanks again to Tara for joining me today. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Tara Tang. That's M-I-S-S-T-A-R-A-T-E-N-G. And she also blogs on her website at taratang.com. I will also link to these in the show notes. I do want to take a quick second to remind you that the Let It Matter podcast has launched our Patreon community, and we would love to have you join us there. For as little as $4 a month, partners get exclusive content like additional episodes, uncut interviews, Bible study and spiritual formation teachings, and access to Monthly Matterings, a private partners-only Zoom call with me that builds community as we dive deeper into recent episode topics. To get instant access to all past and future partner perks, head over to partner to patreon.com forward slash let it matter pod or to let it matter.com forward slash podcast. Join me next week as we continue to make space for honor and name what matters. And now, according to our tradition, as we close out, I am offering you these words from Tara's book. They sort of read to me like a little bit of a, of a benediction. Um, and so while they don't have the word may or they don't and they're not structured like a prayer, um, it is uh, I want you to receive these words as a blessing. Let's pray. By embracing our whole selves, even the parts of ourselves that still need healing, we can begin the journey back home. We can reclaim it immediately, the very same day that we choose to do better by loving more. And isn't that the point of spirituality? Isn't God the definition of love? Our experience on earth can bridge all the divides that were broken by the loss of reciprocity. Our spirituality is something that can be experienced, lived out, as close to us as the very air that fills our lungs in each breath. The blood and the sweat, the dirt and the brokenness teach us so much more about finding the sacred amid our humanity. These are the moments in which embodiment and spirituality intertwine. This is where I see the body as good, powerfully profound, and inherently holy. When we live our lives this way, breaking bread together, standing against the marginalization of all people, and embodying the teachings of nonviolence and compassion to everyone we encounter, we find that there is so much beauty yet to be experienced within us and our relationships. The revolution starts within us, within our hearts, within our bodies, within the way we view the world and interact with one another. And so we choose to show up consistently and compassionately, loving each other through radical embodiment and transformational justice, knowing that healing broken relationships through the covenant of reciprocity is the goal. May it be so. Amen. Amen.